All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Get Loud Sports. It's been almost a week since we've done this, so there is a lot to talk about, so I hope you guys are in for it. Uh, a lot of Friday night games to cover locally, some really big games, some big wins for some local teams, and some bad losses for some local teams we got to go over to. Uh, an entire weekend of college football, the majority of a NFL Sunday, baseball is in the postseason and like i told you i can't get enough of postseason baseball so we got to get into some of that too there was a long 15 inning game yesterday one nothing 15 inning game pitching duel defensive battle ended up being a walk off in the 15th that's my kind of baseball right there um and if you don't enjoy that i don't, I don't know what you're looking for out of sports because that is just drama right there so um yeah so baseball postseason is in full swing and oh, my Detroit Lions, where do we go from here? Uh, Coach Campbell says they're at rock bottom right now. Uh, five games in, we didn't expect to be a rock bottom team, but that's where we're at right now. So I guess the only thing you can do is improve. So we'll get into some of that a little bit later on too. Uh, but we're going to start this week with our Friday night highlights. Like we said, there's a lot of big games that went down in the area. And we're going to start it off with Sturgis and Three Rivers. Uh, you might have seen uh, previously in uh, was early to mid last week, um, there was some alleged vandalism that happened over in Sturgis. Uh, they've got a got a bell in the end zone over there by their flagpole. I believe they call it the victory bell. And it looks like, at least from all accounts, it looks like a, maybe a handful of Three Rivers students, players, whatever, uh, snuck onto the field and painted that bell purple and spray painted a white TR on it. Uh, just to, just to kind of twist the knife on Sturgis a little bit. Um, I did see some people that are suggesting that Sturgis may have done this on their own just to try to fire up their own players. I don't know that I buy that. I can't imagine defacing your own property. If you think your kids need to be motivated to that level, you may already be doing something wrong, but Sturgis has really turned their program around this year, uh, compared to where they've been in recent seasons. They're having a great year, but they had three rivers coming to town this week. And that was sure to be uh, a, a great game, and it turned out to be one. Sturgis did manage to get the win, 26-15, to 15, and that is definitely not the way I expected that game to go. Uh, but Sturgis is definitely proving that they are for real this year. And just to, just to hit the highlights on that game a little bit, Sturgis running back Jacob Thompson goes off for 311 yards and two touchdowns on his own. That's that's a massive night worth talking about. And just to top it off, it was his birthday as well. So a big night for Jacob Thompson there for the Sturgis Trojans as they take down Three Rivers 26 to 15 in Sturgis. Um, White Pigeon put a beating on Cass, which just seems to be what happens uh, for anybody that's playing Cass these days. That was a 59 to nothing final. And this week, Cass only managed to put up 67 total yards of offense. And I, I don't know if you've, if you've ever watched football at all, the idea that in four quarters, a team might only move the ball 67 yards combined through the whole game. I can't quite wrap my head around that, but that seems to keep happening. That's even less than what they had against Centerville last week. So Things are not going in the right direction for the Cassopolis Rangers. They've now been outscored on the season 348 to 28. That I I can't even I don't know. 
I don't know how you continue to coach that. I don't know how you coach them up. I don't know what do you take out of games like this that you can say, okay, yeah, we lost. It was lopsided, but here's what we did well. Let's build on that. And with only two weeks to go in the regular season, where do you go from there? That is just uh, that. That's one I don't have an answer for. Um, so another another bad one for uh, for Cassopolis. Uh, Centerville ended up being gifted a win. Uh, Comstock had to forfeit. I didn't find any details on that. I'm assuming uh, it's got to be because of a lack of player availability, uh, whether it's injuries or ineligibility or a combination of that. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened there, but Comstock ends up forfeiting one to Centerville, so they get the free win on that. Uh, Colon moves to seven and zero. Is and we're getting into eight man here now. Colon moves to seven and zero on the season. Uh, as they beat Burton Atherton by a score of 60 to 26. Uh, also in eight man, uh, and on the receiving end of another bad loss, Baroque falls to Tekancha by a score of 62 to six. And Baroque has now been outscored on the season 331 to 32. Uh, so between them and Cass, we've got a couple of couple of teams in our area here that are just struggling to struggling to move the ball and struggling to put points on the board. We'll see what happens. I know, like I said a couple of weeks ago, there's uh there's a, a big push in Cassopolis for their varsity football team to make the move to eight man football. Um, but you know what? If they've got the numbers, they just need to figure it out. If you've got 20, 20 plus guys, even 18 guys on your roster that's where that's about right for a division eight team and you need to just figure it out you got to figure out where you failing is it starting all the way from the youth level through middle school and all the way up into the high school that it's just not working do you need to start from scratch or is it just maybe a coaching change at the varsity don't know without knowing the ins and outs of the entire program it's hard to say but uh if you've got the numbers you need to stay in Division Eight, eleven on eleven, real football, and figure it out. I, I'm tired of watching teams that just can't hack it. Um, drop down to Division Eight because they think it's good, or not down to Division Eight, but down to eight man just because they think it's going to be easier uh, because they can't figure out how to play actual football. And uh, we'll see what they do. We'll see. Maybe next year, Cass is an eight man team. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, one more score to report in eight-man football. Uh, Menden just puts one on Bangor, 53 to nothing. Um, so Menden's still rolling uh, as an eight-man team. It's going to be, I guess we'll have to pay attention over the next couple seasons. If Menden continues to find success like this playing eight-man football, I would have to imagine that more and more kids in town are going to get interested and come back to football or maybe start playing for the first time and the roster size is going to go up and with the history of winning that they've got over there in Menden I would have to imagine that if they can get the get the participation back up to where it needs to be for them to start playing 11 man again I would think they'll probably do it uh the eight man thing in Menden is definitely just out of necessity um, because of low participation, I would like to think that if they can get the numbers on the on the roster back up, they'll go back to playing actual football, and uh, and that'll be good to see. So again, Menden puts a fifty three to nothing on on Bangor, um, and then last one to wrap up for this last Friday night is Constantine versus Kalamazoo United. Uh, this game was played in Kalamazoo, and 
it didn't matter home field or not. Constantine takes this one from United 53 to 26. And with that win, the Constantine Falcons lock up the SAC Lakeshore division championship with a perfect four and conference record so far uh, through the season. And as per the usual, Constantine had 409 yards of total offense and 402 of that was on the ground. Uh, Dean Topolsky was one of two passing for a seven yard completion leading the way for Constantine uh, on the offensive attack was Braden Clark. Uh, he was good for 211 yards and four touchdowns. So Braden having the big game this week. And like we've said before, uh, they find a way to move it around a little bit. One week it's Clark. The next week it's Jacobs. After that, you got to deal with Lucas Hagenboo and right back around to Braden Clark. It just depends on which guy can break the gap and get the big play. And this week it was on Braden. So that is, that is where we're at as far as Friday night football goes for the St. Joe County area. A lot of great games. Some pretty surprising scores to report to, um, but we got two weeks left of the regular season and then on to the playoffs and can't wait for that. So uh, Constantine this week has, I believe we're looking at South Haven coming to town Friday night for a game with the Rams. So we'll uh, we'll have that score plus all the other scores from around St. Joe County to report after we wrap it up later on this week. So that's where we're going to leave it for now. Moving on to Saturday's games, we're going to get into some of the uh, NCAA football scores and some of the highlights. I'm going to start it off with the Michigan and Indiana game. Um, there's a lot going on there for sure. Michigan came into this one still sitting at uh, at number four in the AP, and I believe number four in the coaches' poll as well. And realistically, uh, the the competition level that Michigan has played so far this year hasn't exactly been the strongest, although week after week it seems to get a little bit better. They are obviously in conference play now uh, with uh, Iowa knocked off, and now we've got Indiana to deal with. Um, and this one was in Bloomington. And I'll tell you what, the Indiana Hoosiers, they are that team that is there to screw it up for somebody that's trying to do something big. They'll play you hard. Uh, even if they're not playing for their own season, they will play to stop yours from moving on. So you can never overlook Indiana. And I'm going to tell you right now, I really think that may be part of what happened this week because Michigan came out extremely flat in the first half, uh, couldn't get the offense going. Defense couldn't quite figure out what to do with the hurry up offense that the Hoosiers were running. And just to add to it, uh, I believe this was in the first quarter. Uh, Michigan's running backs coach, Mike Hart, collapsed on the sideline. Um, I think that happened during a commercial break. They came back from break, and uh, there was the cart and on the field, and they were ready to ready to get him out of there, and nobody quite knew what happened, but the team was all surrounded up um, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, it, was, it was definitely bad. They did cart him off, and they took him to a local hospital, and there was no report as to what had happened. Um, and you could definitely tell uh, the running backs and the entire sideline were shaken up by this. Uh, and they had clearly lost some focus in the first half. It, it was definitely uh, definitely affecting the way they were playing for sure. Uh, later on, it was reported that uh, Coach Hart actually had a seizure on the sideline. And it sounds like that is the first one he's ever had, that he doesn't have any history of epilepsy or or anything of the sort. And, and this... I obviously still 
uh, hoping for the best that he's all right. It sounds like he was just staying the night in the hospital for observations and then coming home today. Uh, but obviously hoping for the best for Coach Hart, uh, his former running back for the Michigan Wolverines. He had been on the Indiana Hoosiers uh, coaching staff up until he came to coach for Michigan. So he's got ties to both teams. And uh, everybody in attendance was obviously very concerned, but it is good to hear that he's okay. Um, and hopefully, hopefully isolated incident and everything will be all right for him going forward. So, uh, but that definitely did have an effect on Michigan's offense to start uh, into the second quarter. They stayed kind of flat. They went in 10 to 10 tie at halftime. And uh, luckily, Michigan is a pretty darn good halftime adjusting team. And they're just very well conditioned and very well coached. Uh, so coming out of the coming out of the out of halftime, it was clear that Indiana's entire goal on defense was to shut down Blake Corm, and they did do a fairly decent job of that in the first half. But the second half was a completely different game as Michigan finally got into a rhythm on offense, and Indiana really seemed to wear down on both sides of the ball. The hurry up offense wasn't quite as powerful as it was, and their attack on JJ McCarthy was not as effective, and Michigan definitely started to pull away. Uh, Blake Corum did end up finishing the game with 124 yards and a score. Ronnie Bell with 121 yards, and J.J. McCarthy went for 304 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. Uh, by the time it was all wrapped up, Michigan's defense had seven sacks and 10 tackles for loss. Now, that all being the case, Michigan did drop a spot in the AP poll from number four to number five. And obviously that top four is really where you're looking to be because we're still playing this whole thing with a four-team playoff after the season is over when we get into bowl season. Um, Clemson jumped in one, and we're going to get to the rankings here real quick, and, and we're going to kind of take a look into who moved around and who's sitting in what spots right now. But like we said, Michigan did drop a spot to number five as Clemson jumps over them. Uh, Georgia is now sitting in the number one spot with Ohio state right behind them as Alabama had another, uh, near miss in a game that they should have been in control of, but they weren't. And they dropped two spots all the way down to number three, uh, other big movers, uh, in college football, Tennessee moves up two spots to number six, UCLA moves up seven spots into the number 11 slot. They're now sitting six and zero oh as well. Uh, other big movers, Syracuse moves up four to number 18. Kansas State still doing it. Kansas State moves up three spots to number 17. And Mississippi State, with a big weekend as well, moves up seven spots to grab the number 16 position. Uh, a couple of teams that were not on the charts, uh, were not on the rankings in the AP poll as of last week, are James Madison sitting at number 25 right now. Illinois moves into the number 24 spot. And Texas is finally starting to look like they are serious this year. Uh, Texas moves from unranked to number 23. So a lot of movement there for sure in the top 25. And obviously at some point here, I don't know exactly what week that we expect the uh, the playoff committee poll to come out. I believe we're talking two to three weeks here. We should see the playoff committee poll. And sometimes that, looks real similar to the AP and the coaches poll. And sometimes the committee is looking at something completely different than what everybody else is. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an anxious wait uh, while we're still waiting for the, 
actual playoff committee poll to come out. And these days, that really is the only one that matters. Just to round out the rest of the scores in the top 25, we did have Tennessee taking down LSU 40 to 13. Tennessee is no joke, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them contending for the top four by the time this season's over. They're five and zero right now after that win, and that was a big one against LSU. Uh, Kansas, who has been kind of the Cinderella story of college football so far, not quite able to pull it off against TCU. They end up dropping that one 38 to 31, uh, but they definitely proved that they are they are real and that they belong in the conversation uh, in the top 25 this year. And they actually hold their spot at number 19, even despite the loss. Uh, great game played there by Kansas. Not quite enough as the Frogs take care of business there. Mississippi State, like we said, had a big move in the poll this week. They took care of Arkansas 40-17. to Cincinnati over South Florida 28-24. to Not enough to keep the Bearcats in the top 25, though. Too close of a game against an unranked South Florida team, and Cincinnati actually drops out after that one. You know what? Let's take a look and confirm on that. Nope, I'm wrong. Cincinnati actually moved up three, not out. Cincinnati's number 21 after that win, so mistake on me there. And then we've got Georgia putting one on Auburn, 42-10. to 10. Oklahoma State over Texas Tech, 41-31. to 31. Uh, UCLA takes care of Utah 42 to 32. That's a big win for the Bruins. Uh, looks like Ohio state just made easy work of Michigan state 49 to 20. So you're looking at, uh, a Michigan state Spartans team that is now two and four and in absolute shambles. Um, you've got a head coach who's, whose big push was recruiting. He's got a really young recruiting class that are mostly freshmen right now. Uh, so, you know, the idea obviously is that you're going to develop that crew, but if this is what your team's going to look like, what else are you going to be able to bring in and how many of those guys are going to stay around if this is what they're, if this is what they're supposed to expect out of Mel Tucker. Uh, and like we said, Ohio state did move up to number two as Alabama slid to three, uh, also going on in the top 25 Ole Miss over Vanderbilt 52 to 28. Had Arizona State, who has really been a disaster of a team this year, actually upsets number 21 Washington State this week, 45-38. to 38. So with that win, uh, that takes Arizona State to 2-4 and four and drops Washington to 4-2. and two. And let's see, we'll keep on moving down the list here. Like we said, Clemson actually jumped Michigan and took the number four spot, and they did that after knocking off Boston College 31-3. to three. So that makes me wonder, okay, so you beat Boston College 31 to 3. BC is not a threat to anybody this year. They're 2 and 4 after that one and Clemson is 6 and 0, oh, same as Michigan. Um was that more convincing over a Boston College team than what what the what the voters saw out of Michigan beating Indiana? It must have been uh to have flip-flopped them for this week. Uh Michigan's got Penn State coming up this Saturday. That is a huge game for both teams and it is the first, I believe this is actually the first ranked opponent that Michigan's had to play so far this year. And this one is really going to determine the course of the rest of the season for the Michigan Wolverines. We'll find out if they really belong in the top four or not. Penn State's no joke. So that's this one is the maze out game at the big house. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Michigan can stay on course. So continuing down the list, we've got USC. 
Uh, sitting at number six, took care of Washington State, 30-14. to 14. Kentucky drops another one. Kentucky loses to South Carolina, 24-14. to 14. So Kentucky now is 4-2 and two on the season, and where we... We kind of wondered, were they going to really be serious? Was Kentucky football going to be hanging around very long this year? It's looking like maybe not. They now have dropped nine spots down to number 22 in the AP poll. So another big loss for Kentucky. Uh, Moving down, we got Wake Forest taking care of Army, 45-10. to Notre Dame gets a big win late Saturday night against BYU. That is a 28-20 to win for the Fighting Irish. That moves them to three and two but i don't believe that was enough to get them back in the top 25 nope they're nowhere to be found on there which is just fine with me so let's get back to our top 25 right there all right moving down kansas state still doing it took care of iowa state with a score of 10 to 9 probably not the most exciting game anybody's ever watched but I'm down for defense any day. I wish I could have gotten a look at this game, but I couldn't find it on anywhere. But Kansas State still moving forward. They're 5-1 and one now after getting that 10-9 to nine win over Iowa State. And just to wrap it up here, we had Alabama with a very close game, 24-20 to 20 win over Texas A&M. Too close for comfort, and that drops them to number three. We had North Carolina State taking care of Florida State 19 to 17 and Oregon beating up on Arizona 49 to 22. So that wraps it up for your top 25 and a lot of big games uh, this week for sure. And we are going to start heading into bye weeks for a lot of these teams. So there'll be a little bit less going on, but uh, like we said, the big one for Michigan coming up is Penn state. So that's going to be a great game. No doubt about it. Um, All right, so now that we've got Saturday wrapped up, we might as well jump into everything we've seen so far today in the NFL. Um, Right now, we've got the Sunday night game going. That's between the Ravens and the Bengals. And right now, there is a score of three to nothing, Ravens over Bengals. Uh, Let's just move on down the list right here. The early game today was, uh, was the London game that was between the Giants and the Packers. And the Giants actually get it done 27 to 22 over Green Bay. The Giants are all of a sudden looking like a favorite in their division. They're four and one, and Green Bay falls to three and two. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a big game. And the I'll tell you what, the Giants look like they need to be taken seriously. Very much opposite of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are an absolute disaster. They got crushed by the Bills today, 38-3. to What is going to happen in the quarterback situation? What are the Steelers going to do with the rest of the season? Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in the history of his uh, head coaching career. The Steelers are currently 1-4. Pretty darn sure, unless some kind of a miracle happens, that record of his is in jeopardy. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen after that. You knew when Ben Roethlisberger retired, they were going to have to make some serious changes but you didn't expect them to just completely fall off the cliff like they have. Uh, They sat Mitch Trubisky early, replaced him with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's not the guy for the job there either. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen there. He ended up, you know what, looking at his numbers, it wasn't terrible. He was 34 of 52 for 327 and a pick, but no scores. Uh, Just couldn't finish a drive where 
Josh Allen, on the other hand, 424 yards, four touchdowns. That's more like what you need to win games on Sunday. Uh, let's see. We had the Chargers over the Browns, 30-28. to 28. That one came right down to it. The Browns kicked a long field goal with time running out and just missed it, so the Chargers were able to hang on after a questionable coaching decision by Los Angeles to go for it on fourth down at midfield and give the ball back to the Browns. Got away with one there. Uh, the Vikings take care of the Bears, 29-22. to Saints over Seahawks. And I got to go to some pretty crazy stats out of a guy you probably didn't expect to see it from. Uh, Taysom Hill today ran for 112 yards and three scores and also had a passing touchdown. Um, kind of made Andy Dalton look like he's not supposed to be quarterback on that team. Maybe maybe you just leave Taysom Hill under center and send it and see what happens uh, because Jameis Winston is still out injured. But, uh, but, yeah, the Saints end up getting it done over Seattle, 39-32. to 32. Uh, Jets take care of the Dolphins, 40-17. to 17. Bucks over Falcons, 21-15. to 15. And that one ended with a really, really bad call by the refs. Uh, I believe it was about two and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Atlanta actually stopped Tampa Bay, uh, sacked Tom Brady, forcing him into about a fourth and eight, I believe is what it was going to be. But the refs threw a flag uh, for roughing the passer on what was possibly the worst call I've seen all season so far. This was... A perfect tackle, wrapped Brady up around the waist, rolled him to the ground, and then got up and let him up. And the rest threw a roughing the passer flag on that play. Everybody in commentary at the time and everybody that's talked about it ever ever since then, including the Sunday night pregame, has mentioned that call and that it was an absolutely awful call. And that gave Tampa Bay a fresh set of downs and allowed them to seal that game up where the Falcons would have taken over and had two and a half, three minutes to work with and definitely an opportunity to win the game. They only lost by six, but that's officiating the NFL sometimes and Tampa Bay holds on to win 21 to 15. Uh, let's see. Also moving down the scores. We got the Titans over Washington, 21 to 17 Texans over Jags, 13 to six 49ers, Look at that. Jimmy G getting it done again. 49ers over Carolina, 37 to 15. And Baker Mayfield and the entire Carolina offense is just struggling, struggling to figure out who they are. Baker today, 215 yards and a pick. It's just not getting it done. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, only 54 yards on the ground and a score. Just nothing really happening right for the Panthers, whereas the 49ers, uh, Jimmy G goes 253 yards in the air and two scores that moves the 49ers to three and two and drops the Panthers to one and four. Uh, the Cowboys take care of the Rams. I'll tell you what the Cowboys defense today was absolutely stealing the show. They were in Matthew Stafford's face on every single snap blocked punts, all sorts of just havoc going on in that game. And now you've got the Dallas Cowboys also, four and one so if we go to the standings in that division right there let's see do, 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 do division standings open that up so if we look at the division standings in the nfc east all of a sudden that is some serious football going on there you've got philadelphia still undefeated at five and oh 
and both Dallas and the New York Giants are four and one. Washington almost out of the picture at this point in the season at one and four, but the rest of the NFC East is some serious football going on, and that is going to be a crazy one to watch that play out. And as we mentioned, the Eagles are still the only undefeated team in the NFL after they take down the Cardinals 20-17. to 17. And as we talked about previously, I believe we had a 12-9 to 9 snooze fest, Colts over Broncos in an overtime win this previous Thursday. Some definitely slow-moving football going on there. And this, the, let's see, we're talking week five wraps up tomorrow night, Monday night, with the 1-3 and three Raiders taking on the 3-1 and one Chiefs. So we'll see how that one finishes out. And it looks like we're still staring at a three to nothing Ravens over Bengals game happening right now. So, so that's where we're at with the NFL week five. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll, we will be back with some baseball action and I got to get some stuff off my chest about the Detroit lions. So we'll be right back here on get loud sports. All right, and back from the break, we're going to get into a little baseball action because the divisional rounds are getting ready to start and the wild card rounds are wrapping it up. So we got some things to cover here in the world of baseball. And like I said before, I love playoff baseball, even though my team seems to find a way to eliminate themselves in April. Playoff baseball is still the best time of year in sports, if you ask me. There's a lot of people that think the season's too long. I think those people just don't get it. I love it. So we started the wild card rounds, and that that format, the wild card round in Major League Baseball postseason, continues to change, and there's a lot more games than there ever used to be. And I remember years ago, um, we had four, well, this was a long time ago, back when the Tigers were really still relevant and and playing playing meaningful baseball late into the season. Uh, the Tigers and the Twins had to play a deciding game 163 to break a tie to see who was going to be the wild card team coming out of the American League. And that was one of the most watched games of the season and extremely high drama baseball, and people loved it. And to have that one game uh, decide who was going to make it and who wasn't, that that was that was entertaining. Now, unfortunately, the Tigers lost that game. The Twins moved on and the Tigers didn't. But it was a really, really good game, and people really liked the fact that this one game decided it all. So they started doing that yearly intentionally to determine who was going to be the wild card team. They'd have, instead of just one wild card team coming out of both the American League and the National League, they would take the top two best teams that were not division winners, and they would have a one-game playoff, essentially, and the winner of that one game moved on as the wild card. Well, ratings being what they are and money being what it is, they've just found more and more ways to expand the whole wild card thing. And now we've got a bunch of two game series here. Well, best of three, I guess if it's two games, if you, if you win them both, but a bunch of best of threes that are essentially now the wild card round. And that started Friday night and we had a handful of games. So we had Cleveland taking down Tampa Bay two to one. 
And we also had the Phillies knock off the Cardinals six to three. So those were the earlier games on Friday. And then the later games were Seattle, who, like we've talked about before, this is Seattle's first shot at the playoffs in 21 years. So they're not going anywhere without a fight for sure. They're here to sit here to play. Seattle is a serious team, finally. And they took care of business Friday night against Toronto four to nothing. Then we also had the Padres absolutely destroy the New York Mets. And I want to try and find a stat here. This was Max Scherzer pitching for the Mets. And Scherzer's been around the league for a long time, but he's been he's been a reliable pitcher everywhere he's been. And the Padres just destroyed him through this game and ran him off early. And yeah, so the Padres moved on to a seven to one win over the Mets on Friday night. So we had a couple, we had more games Saturday. We got to continue these series. Crazy enough, Cleveland and Tampa Bay for being a low scoring game Friday night with a two to one final had a one to nothing 15 inning game on Saturday. That was the early game, luckily. Uh, so let's see if we can find it here. So yeah, walk off home run in the bottom of the 15th moves Cleveland on past Tampa Bay and ends the race season. Um, not so low scoring Seattle takes out Toronto 10 to nine on Saturday. So still a one run game, but a 10 to nine version of it. So that means that both Cleveland and Seattle move on. Uh, two wins in a row and a best of three. That's a wrap. And then we had the Mets actually come back and beat the Padres on Saturday, seven to three. So that series knots up at one to one. And then the Phillies and the Cardinals season by beating them two to nothing on Saturday. Uh, today, right now, to finish up the wild card round, we've got the Padres and the Mets going at it. This one's on ESPN. It's currently the bottom of the sixth inning, and the Padres are up four to nothing. So they're in really good shape right now, and the winner of that one is going to move on. So uh, short best of three series to uh, get the wild card rounds decided before we move on to the divisional rounds. I believe those will start Tuesday. So let's take a look here. Yeah, no games Monday. Tuesday, what we're looking at, and this will be this should be a heck of a series. Uh, times to be determined on all these right now. Nothing's set on the TV schedule yet, but we've got uh, duh, 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 duh. we've got the got Cleveland and the Yankees matched up. We've got Seattle and Houston. So both of those, I'm an American League baseball guy myself. Um, even though you know now the National League's using a DH, so there's not a whole lot of difference between the two anymore. But I'm just an American League baseball guy. Those two series are going to be great. Yankees and Cleveland. Uh, Astros and Seattle Mariners. Those both get going on Tuesday. And then in the National League, we've got the Phillies and the Braves getting after it. And then the Dodgers are going to play the winner between the Padres and the Mets. So they are still waiting to see who they're going to have to deal with coming out of that series. Um, Dodgers still sitting here with the most ridiculous record in baseball of 111 and 51. Cannot imagine what it takes to win 111 regular season games, but they did it and probably still heavy favorites to win the whole darn thing. So we'll see what the Dodgers can make out of that. So that is what we're looking at for baseball right now. Um, we will continue to keep an eye on that last 
wild card game right now, uh, six innings over, and Padres still looking like a four to nothing over the Mets. Okay, so that pretty much wraps it up for all the reporting, all the all the scores, everything that we've had to deal with over the over the last handful of days just to cover the weekend. Now, the Detroit Lions, they're my team. They've always been my team. But I swear to you, they're taking years off my life. It has been just disappointment after disappointment with this team, and it's just getting to be – It's every time you get your hopes up with this team, you got to remind yourself, we've seen this before, don't get too deep in this. But every single season, I don't listen to my own advice, and I get way too deep into it. You got the hard knock season for the Lions, the HBO series. Everybody got a good look at what the Lions are trying to do, how they're trying to build this team up, how they're trying to change the culture. And even without watching that, if you're a real fan, you're paying attention to all that stuff anyway, and you know exactly what's going on with the team for better or for worse. Today was the absolute bottom of the barrel so far this season. The Lions have played good football for the most part, the entire season so far they've been in every game they've played they've only been able to pull off one win so far this season but let's just roll it back it was a 38 to 35 loss to the eagles to open the season philadelphia like i said even then at that point is a legit team they're the only undefeated team in football still they're sitting at five and oh so you know what to lose in the opening week to them by three points you can say this is a pretty darn good team then they come out week two and they beat Washington 36 to 27. Okay, good deal. They were all over Carson Wentz in that game, gave him all sorts of trouble, and they really, really earned that win. Then you turn around and you lose one in the division to the Vikings 28 24, but that one came right down to it. And again, you could say, okay, they lost, but Minnesota is going to be good. And they are. Minnesota is a good team, and you lose to them by a score. Then last week, Seattle, 48 to 45, with the majority of the offensive weapons for the Lions being completely banged up. They had guys brought up off the practice squad. Jared Goff had a completely different uh, look on the field with a bunch of practice squad and backup receivers, and same deal with the running backs. And they still managed to score 45 points and couldn't win the darn game because the defense apparently stayed in the locker room or didn't even make the trip because they let Seattle score 48 points on them. And I really don't think Seattle's all that good. They lost today. And, but still, it was a one-score loss. That's where it's been so far. And then you look forward into the schedule, and this week you've got the Patriots. And if you watched the Patriots last week, you know that they are on their third-string quarterback. So, in theory, this should be a winnable game. If the defense can get it together and put a little bit of pressure on Bailey Zappi, who I had never heard of until I had to look into him last week, um, rookie out of Western Kentucky, let's just get after him and we should be fine. The Lions have statistically, before today, the Lions had the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Number one scoring, number one rushing attack with Jamal Williams, most yards per play. Every offensive statistic that you can pretty much dominate in, 
the Lions are either leading or they're right towards the top. And knowing that New England's defense really has struggled and having a little bit of a chip on your shoulder going back against Matt Patricia standing on the other sideline, this one, you would think, we got this. No problem. Turns out, no. Not even close. That best offense in the NFL thing, I don't know what happened to that today, but it was absolute garbage. And the Patriots embarrassed the Lions 29 to nothing. The Lions went for it on fourth down six times in this game and didn't convert a single one of them. Not a single one of them. Let's try and get some statistics here on this one real quick. So, Jared Goff, 229 yards and a pick. No scores. Jamal Williams, 56 yards, 15 carries. We got Josh Reynolds leading the receiving stats for the Lions, 92 yards on six catches. No scores. This game was an absolute failure by the Lions offense and the defense from the very start of the game. Jared Goff was pressured constantly, couldn't get the running game going. More drop passes today than I've seen in a long, long time. And the defense, still terrible, couldn't do anything to New England, standing in there with a third-string rookie quarterback. And I'll tell you what, I have been a big fan of and a big supporter of Dan Campbell and what I feel like they're trying to do with this team since he came to Detroit last season. The guy's extremely passionate. He's a former player. The, the, the locker room loves him. They play hard for him. I feel like coaching staff wise, they've built something that should be sustainable and win and they can win with it. It's a winnable group, but they're not doing it. And for as, as great as I feel like the, the team has been so far and so darn close all season, to lose this game and to lose it the way they lost it is unthinkable, absolutely unthinkable that they would drop this one 29 to nothing to this Patriots team. And going forward, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of them. So let's take a look at what the Lions have coming up after losing this one. So next week, they get the Cowboys. And I hate the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to tell you right now, Detroit's not winning that game. The Cowboys are going to destroy them. If, if Dallas sends the pass rush against Detroit like they did to the Rams today, it's over. It's over in the first quarter. Goff's not going to have a chance. and you better hope the backup's ready because they're probably going to put them out. I mean, they were on Stafford that bad today, and the Rams are a much better team than the Lions are. Dallas is going to kill them. After that, you get the Dolphins. Tell me why we should think we're going to win that game. And then it looks like, do, 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 and then it's the Packers. So now we're back into the division again. And unless something just implodes in Green Bay, how are you going to win that game? And then after that, you've got the Bears in Chicago. I'm actually going to that game. I was really excited about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm not now. 
I was thinking, okay, Chicago, yeah, they're questionable. They're two and three right now. We're one and four. They're only a game better than, than Detroit is. But they're a lot better than just a game better from what I've seen of them so far. Both teams are still struggling to figure out what it is that they're trying to do. But, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they've got any chance of winning that game. After that, you're looking at the Giants. And then you're looking at it must be a Thursday night game against the Bills. The Bills are going to absolutely murder them that they keep playing like this. I, I mean, where is the positive right now? I don't know how in the world you go from as much promise and competing like they have and being within a score of winning some very, very tight games to getting blown out so bad by really when it comes down to it, a crap Patriots team. So I'm not ready to give up on the coaching staff yet, but they better turn this thing around in a hurry. I mean, we were talking about, you know, what's a successful season for the Lions right now. You can't be 500 anymore, which is stupid because they added a 17th game to the season last year. But are you 8-9, and 9-8? Nine, nine and eight? Is that potential for them this year? Not, not now. Not the way they looked today. There's absolutely nothing positive that came out of that game. That was an embarrassment. I mean, you can lose games, and it's still a loss as, as far as the standings go. But you can always try to find something positive that came out of that game where you can build on it. Not this one. This was absolute trash from the start. Absolutely garbage all the way through. So the clock's ticking on these guys now because this isn't what anybody had in mind. And where do you go from there? I don't know. Obviously, they're banged up. The Lions, if I remember right, at one point, they had counted five or six DBs that went down injured today. Secondary was already all beat up, and we lost five more to injuries today. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown came back, but was pretty much ineffective. I uh, wasted, my, wasted my flex position on him. Luckily, the rest of my fantasy roster was dominating all day today, so it didn't hurt anything. But I also had Hawkinson. He caught one ball today. Uh, Goff just couldn't get it to him. Josh Reynolds was the only one that really had any kind of productivity, and Jamal Williams was okay, but not enough to get anywhere near the end zone. Bunch of stalled-out drives uh, without even seeing the red zone. And so you lose a bunch of bunch of your defense again, which is already thin. And then DJ Chark is still out. Um, DeAndre Swift, still out. Um, what What are you even going to do? And the offensive line is all healthy, but they can't they can't block air. They can't block air. The Patriots pass rush was in the backfield on almost every single snap. So I don't know. This this one was embarrassing after trying to stay real positive after a whole bunch of close losses. This one right here. Oh, this one hurts. This one hurts. And the coaching staff is gonna have to own this. And figure it out in a hurry because you're running out of time, guys. One and four, that is a deep, deep hole to dig out of if you think you're going to have anything positive come out of this season. So I guess we'll guess we'll just wait and see. I guess we'll wait and see, but I don't know. I don't know where it's at. I don't know where the positive's at out of this one. So be looking forward to seeing the uh 
the coverage over the next couple of days about what Campbell and the rest of the coaching staff have to say about this one. Um, but I'm, I'm sick about it. Absolutely irritated. It was an embarrassing loss to a crap team. Shouldn't happen. So, so we're going to leave it at that. That's my rant for the Detroit lions for this week. Get it together, guys. Got to be better than this. So we're going to leave it at that for this week. I'm um, going to try and get back in here a little bit later on um, before we get to Friday to get a preview of all the Friday night games that we've got coming up around the area and get a little bit of Saturday preview as well. And uh, if nothing else, we'll be back Sunday night to wrap up the entire weekend. So until then, this has been the coach for Get Loud Sports. Whether if they hate, let them hate. I drop your whole class.